Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. is good everybody we have made it through the first week of the 2022-2023 nba season it's your boy dexter henry here we've watched basketball for almost a week last time we came to you guys basketball had not started exactly yet so we were previewing things the off season is over the regular season is in full swing some teams have played three games some teams have only played two games heading into monday night but there's been a lot of reaction and y'all know some of y'all out there been doing too much. You've been overreacting, ready to jump off the bridges, buildings, whatever it is, jumping out the window, whatever it is that you might do when you're overreacting. And that's what we've heard a lot about. So there might be some teams with this, let's be clear, people, very small sample size, very small sample size that you might look at and say, hmm, that don't look good. And it might be some teams, you know, they're still trying to figure things out. It's three games, people. Three games. But we have to talk about some things. We got to talk about that. Maybe maybe we're tripping. Maybe we're bugging. Maybe we don't understand how any of this goes. So usually on Wednesdays we do NBA with nuance, but I have a crazy week. And so does my regular guest on Wednesday. It would be Gerard Hector. He's got a crazy week. So we're doing this Monday evening um, so we can get some nuance around some people tripping. Because some people be tripping. So I got to bring in my man from True Hoop, NBA writer. Great from there. Also, you catch him on the 7 for this podcast with our homegirl, Jenna Lemoncelli. That is my guy, Gerard Hector. Gerard, what's up, man? I'm good, Dex. How are you? Not overreacting about anything yet, are you? No, 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 no. Not me. You know what I'm saying? I try to keep it pretty even keel. You know, like, can't be tripping on this stuff. Just, mm-hmm. you know, it's sports, people. You can't, be, you can't be getting that mad. I'll, look, I'm not going to tell anybody not to be mad. You might have seen right. some stuff from your team where you're just like, what? <laughs> Although, and we're going to get into this. I feel some of the people that are mad, Gerard, they see things from these teams, and it's like, you know what this was. <laughs> this shouldn't be surprising. I mean, I mean, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. There's, there's, there's a lot of that where you're like, mm, you should have known what this was. <laughs> um, I'm like, where should we start? Because there's so many possibilities. Man, you know where we're going to start. Because I felt like I might have had to come on this show and play taps on this team already, the way some people are talking. And for those who don't know, Gerard knows, because, you know, last year we had to play taps on people when they got out the playoffs to show them the proper respect. And then, 
Now, it probably, it's too early for taps, all right? It, or, or it might not be. I don't no. know. <laughs> I don't know. But here's the team everybody's talking about, Gerard, what everybody wants to know. The Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah. They are 0-3. Mm-hmm. Now, and I'm going to let you go on this, but I think if you had looked at their schedule and you looked at the first three games, me looking at it would have said, oh, you play Golden State opening night. You play the Clippers two nights later. Then you play the Trailblazers two nights later. I would have said three nights, two nights, excuse me, two, three nights later. I would have said, ah, the best you could do is one and two. One and two seems realistic, right? So for me, I'm not tripping that much about 0-3. But I do think there's room to trip about how the 0-3 looks, okay? <laughs> like, and I'm going to let you take it from there. Because when you look at the Lakers and their 0-3 start, yeah. are you concerned? Should you be concerned? Is it an overreaction? If some people say, hey, I don't think this is a playoff team. I don't think this is a play-in team. Is that even an overreaction? I mean, I think let's take a step back, right? Like 0-3, of course, no one wants to start the year 0-3. But this ain't football where they only play 17 games. They play 82 of these joints, okay? They got 79 more to go. They're not going 0-82, all right? Like, so Laker fans, like, step back away from the ledge. It'll be all right. Now, one thing that you should look at is your team is actually good defensively. Like, if you look at those first three games, and again, small sample size theater, and it's a little noisy, but defensively, they're a top eight defense. Like, they're pretty good on defense. Like, look, Russ is trying on defense. AD is looking like a DPOY candidate. They're, they're doing good things defensively. So, you know, N- nothing to fear there. Offensively, of course, as we all got a little bit of a problem right now, and it's the shooting. They are the worst shooting team in the league. Um, dead last in three-point shooting, uh, dead last in effective field goal percentage. Now, LeBron came out after game one and said, you know, we got a lot of good looks, but maybe they're giving us, giving us those good looks because, you know, after all, we're not a team constructed of great shooters. It's not like we have a bunch of lasers over here, right? Okay. Compared to the Golden State Warriors, yeah, y'all ain't that, all right? Y'all ain't the Brooklyn Nets in terms of shooting, okay? You, 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 you don't have a bunch of 39, 40, 41, 42 career three-point uh, three shooters. But Kendrick Nunn, Patrick Beverly, LeBron, league average three-point shooting is 35%. All those dudes for their career are at 35% or better from three. And you got Austin Reeves, you can shoot it a bit. Like, so this team, like, you're... You're, you're, you're better shooting than what your numbers say. And we know that three-point luck is a thing. If they hit a couple more threes in one of those two games, those, those first two games, mm-hmm. they're two and one maybe instead yep. of three, right? So, I mean, let's not lose our minds on this, okay? okay so that's that part. Mm-hmm. The other part, Laker fans going nuts because of Westbrook. Okay, look, we know Westbrook is not good anymore. Like, we're aware of that. I will say, however, he is competing and trying on defense. You're watching him. He's, he's engaged on the, that end of the floor. Offensively, we know it, if he doesn't have the ball, I mean, he's, he's, he's nothing, right? He just stands in the corner. He doesn't cut, doesn't do anything. So you're essentially playing four on five. When he has the ball in his hands, right, he makes seemingly not intelligent decisions, like he did in that game against Portland, where up one with 30 seconds left, he just dribbles right into a mid-range, uh, a mid-range jumper when it's like, bro, we're up. No need for you to shoot right here. Like, let's let some clock wind down. Um, you know, when LeBron talked about after the game, no one shot and score and whatever. And then he doubled back and said, y'all trying to get me to talk about Russ, whatever. Like, here's my problem. This roster is not great 
in terms of construction, but I got to blame LeBron for that. All right. Yo, you are the one making these moves. You wanted Russell Westbrook here. I go back to this a million times when he first got to LA, you like, and this is a, a, a LeBron trope. This is what he does. He doesn't like playing with young guys. Okay. He'd rather have old guys who know what they're doing. Okay. But this is why you're not winning games because you got old guys who know what they're doing, but they can't do it. Wouldn't this team be better off right now with Zubach, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball? Right? You'd be a hell of a better team now than you are, right? If you had those guys today and you are now. But LeBron's, that's not, that's not his MO, right? He doesn't want young dudes, got no time for development, all that. Look, they won their title with AD, so I guess cool. It worked out, but you know, I just, this team is old. They don't have a lot of draft capital. I mean, they, they not only did they trade away young players, they traded away so much capital to New Orleans to get AD. By the way, take a look at New Orleans roster. They got a lot of good young talent over there, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, hey, that's that's all those Lakers picks. Josh Hart, another guy that they moved away is now in Portland. Another qual- capable NBA star who can shoot it from three. You know, but you don't want them dudes because LeBron doesn't like young guys and he doesn't like guys who aren't proven. Okay, well, my guy. This is what you want. You got it now. Yeah, I I agree with it pretty much everything you said. And I look at this team and I say it's a poorly constructed team. We can say that. This goes back to last year making that Westbrook trade. And people again, I'm with you. You don't have to blame it all on Westbrook. If you actually watch Westbrook play this year, despite some of the bad poor decision making against Portland mm-hmm. uh, in their last game. He's played okay and, to me, somewhat within himself and the skill set of what he does. He's been attacking the rim, pushing it on fast breaks. He's been, as you said, competing on defense mm-hmm. here. He's not the issue. The issue with this team, like you said, is you can, it's easy to sit there, and I think you're hit this point in the head. It's easy to sit there and say, oh, it's lack of shooting. No, there's guys shooting below what they are hitting. These, this is just like in baseball. When you are not producing up to your batting average, your career mm-hmm. batting average, guys are not producing up to their career three-point percentage. Mm-hmm. Lonnie Walker's got to be better mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. from downtown. I do think it'll help when they get Thomas Bryant back. He will help mm-hmm. stretch the floor a little bit for mm-hmm. them. But I wouldn't jump so quick to overreact. I'll tell you what has looked good for the Lakers, and I don't. I think it's not getting talked about enough. AD's looked good. Oh, you, just, you, you just still get scared every time he goes down, but he's looked good. and. Yes. There's something for that. And LeBron has looked fine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, he, sometimes I feel like he's jacking too many threes. It's a problem when you're looking at LeBron and he's the best shooter on the floor. For <laughs> you. That's not how you generally want things to go. And I think right. that's a little bit of a problem for them. Do I have concern about the Lakers? I guess for me, no, because I just didn't think they were that well built. So I'm just not that concerned. Well, here's what I will say about that. And I'm with you. What's bothering me. And uh, on True Hoop, Coach Thorpe talked about this, is the leadership or lack thereof coming from LeBron James. Like, doing the whole thing about we don't have a team full of lasers. And, you know, you know I don't listen to these these shows, but Stephen A. Smith said this on, on first day. He was like, you're the one who said after game one, we're on a team full of lasers, right? And you know what the general public is going to read into when you say we're a team that doesn't have a bunch of lasers, right? They know they're going to assume who you're speaking about. They're going to assume Russell Westbrook, right? That's what's going to happen from the general basketball watching public. And, you know, so in that way, you kind of throw Russ under the bus there, right? And then you do the whole thing after and, and on after the Portland game. You guys are trying to get me to say stuff about Russ. It's like, but you already did. After game one, when you said, we got a team that's not a bunch of ladies that don't shoot well, right? 
So, I mean, you know, LeBron, and, and this is the point where he's got to galvanize and, and lead in a different way. We know that LeBron's typical leadership style is passive aggressive, subtweeting people, you know, talking slick in the media, you know, pointing out their mistakes on the floor when in fact, yeah, but it's your fault that that happened because you're not guarding your man, right? All those things that he does, right? That's all well and good when you're still like peak LeBron. But at this stage, like, how are these guys dealing with that right now? They're like, look, man, like, you ain't doing your job either. You know what I mean? Right. So right. It, it, it's just not a positive environment for winning right now. Yeah, I, I, I'd be concerned about that. Um, well, you know, I'm definitely being concerned about that. Shout out to Shadika Ferguson. Thank you for saying great stuff. Appreciate that. Uh, hit that like button, share the show. Appreciate that uh, going on. Okay, let's go to the next team that mm-hmm. people are. Uh, going a little crazy about that will be the Philadelphia 76ers. Mm. They are 0 and 3. Now, I'm not going to say I am terribly concerned either here, but the antennas are up. The spotty senses are tingling a little bit here. And I will say this if they don't figure this out, the hot seat for Doc is going to get really hot. <laughs> okay? It's going to get really hot. I wouldn't be tripping about the loss to Milwaukee on opening night. Or Boston. Boston too. Wouldn't trip about that. Excuse me, Boston was opening Mm -hmm. night and Milwaukee was the second night. My bad on that. I wouldn't trip too much about that. Those are two really good defensive teams. um, And they were in the games. They made the games ugly. I thought there were, if you're a Sixers fan, James Harden's looked pretty good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Embiid has looked okay in spurts. He was really good the other night. Gave you 40 Mm -hmm. and he still lost. That's another concern. Now, if you want to be concerned about the San Antonio loss, yeah, I'm with you. They lost to San Antonio, who's coming off a back-to-back. They played Indiana the night before. You're at home. You don't, you don't put that team away. Bad job. There's no way around that, okay? No way around that at all whatsoever. Yeah. I haven't delved into all the advanced numbers with them, but some of my issues that I might see when I watch their games is a little bit on the perimeter defense which is some of my concern with them. And I think probably for you, Gerard, might have been some of your concern with them this year. They have a small backcourt with Harden and Maxi, not plus defenders. And their best defender off the bench now is probably uh, De'Anthony Melton, who's mm-hmm. given them good minutes, formerly mm-hmm. with your Grizzly Cubs. Mm-hmm. What, do you have a concern level at Philly in 0-3? Or are you kind of like, yo, I need a little bit more to wait and see? I need a little bit more wait and see. I think, look, um, I think Harden's been playing well. I think, I think we talked about this on one of our shows, Dex. If Harden is 20 points a night and dishing out assists, right? Eight, nine, 10, and he's shooting 36, 37% from three, that's the recipe for success. But that coincides or has to coincide with Joel Embiid, Embiid playing like an MVP. Mm. Well, he has not through the first three games. He did against San Antonio in game three. Those first two games, he wasn't. We know he had the plantar fasciitis over the summer. So I'm sure that's affected his conditioning and what he's able to do and get himself together. And this, you know, for Embiid, this is important, man, because this is a guy who body-wise, Dex, he's got such injury concerns, and we're always worried about that. And, you know, how many MVP-level seasons are you going to get from him? You had one last year and the year before. Like, you know, it. Doc talks about he wants him to play fast. Well, hard to play fast with Embiid when he ain't, run, right, he ain't running up and down the floor like that, okay? And if Harden doesn't have anybody on the wings ahead of him to pass to, he's just going to, you know, walk it up and do his do his dribble-dribble thing. And you can kind of see this tent, not like, you can see Harden trying to work on what he wants to do, which is, should I, he's trying to find his spots, right? Do I want to 
attack right now. I don't want to get Embiid established. And you saw that in those games with uh, Boston and, and Milwaukee. He was trying to get the ball to Embiid and do that thing and do that thing and work and work and work. But the offense, for whatever reason, wasn't clicking. He was getting it to Maxi, et cetera, out on the break. But especially in the Milwaukee game, the only thing that worked to get them back in the game was heliocentric Harden ball, right? That, that's the only thing that worked to get them back in the game. And so it's going to be this tension. They're not tension in like a, I hate James or I hate Joel, but like a trying to figure out what is the best course of action for us to do what we want. Because again, it, they're not running they're not running like complex sets, right? This ain't the Warriors offense. You know what I mean? This isn't a lot of uh, split cut, off ball movement. Like it, that's just not what's happening here. And it's a challenge when you want to get out and run and play fast. Again, when you're two main guys, that isn't what Max is the guy who plays fast. That's great. Right, but right. one dude, you know? So many, the two main guys don't play that way. And so, you know, this is something I know our friend Brian Fonseca always brings up, right? It's, it's playing to your strengths. And the personnel you have instead of just saying, you know, let's pick up the pace, let's shoot more threes, you know, mm-hmm. those kind of things that you hear play into your strengths. I, I have a little bit of concerns about their perimeter defense and are they going to be as good defensively as they think. That's my concern. Although they didn't defend poorly against either Boston or, you know, Boston yeah. for stretches or really Milwaukee. They actually played really well defensively against Milwaukee. Um, and Milwaukee has some limitations, no Middleton, no Pat mm-hmm. Connaughton, that sort of stuff too. And we'll get to them later. But, you know, I, I wouldn't – I think, you know, three games again. It kind of goes to all of this. You, you can say this. Yeah. Three, three games. No no, no need to overreact. And from what I hear um, in the locker room, things are okay. In, in Philadelphia, nobody's like, you know, oh, my God, we're panicking, whatever. Nobody mm-hmm. believes in anybody. I think it's fine there. It's just that they're still working out the kinks. Now, I do agree with you. If they continue to perform poorly, that seat is going to get hot for Doc Rivers because, you know – they put this team together with the idea of we're going to compete for a championship, right? So we'll see. And let's also yeah. keep keep in mind, folks, the Boston Celtics started last year pretty poorly. People were saying, break up Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. They stink. They can't play together. They went off second half of the season and were incredible. They went to the NBA Finals and went up 2-0. So let's not lose our minds. Fantastic point there about the Celtics last year and what he turned around in the second half of the season. Um, now, we went from teams that were disappointing, but this is going to a team that might be surprising. And I'm surprised because they have the worst jerseys in the league <laughs> and they might have the worst jerseys in all of professional sports right now. And that would be the Utah Jazz. <laughs> Are the Utah Jazz who we thought they, we were? Because, Gerard, most people like myself and you who cover this league know this very well. Okay, this team's going to be at the bottom. Got rid of Donovan Mitchell. Got rid of Rudy Gobert. They're all in in the Wembyana sweepstakes. But when I did look at the roster, and you do look at this roster, you're a little bit like, okay, Mike Conley's still here. Mm-hmm. Jordan Clarkson is still mm-hmm. here. Colin Sexton is there who can ball. Um, Laurie Markin. Laurie Markin, who had a fantastic Euro basket, mm-hmm. um, and people should have kept their eye on him. He's playing some of the best basketball of his career. Uh, all right. So they got some players that aren't just going to roll over. These players don't give a damn about Victor Wembanyama. Correct. <laughs> they don't. Correct. They don't care about that. They're playing to stay in the league. Some people playing for their next contracts, and they're trying to win. And Will Hardy's got these guys off to a three and zero start, an impressive win last night against the Pelicans. I'm sitting here like, well, if this is not the plan for Danny Ainge and the guys, and they're supposed to tank for Wembanyama, and you probably know I'm going. Y'all might want to start trading some people now. 
<laughs> because y'all got too much talent on the roster. Or like, so so what? There's a lot we can go with the Jazz, but it's like, are the Jazz actually good? Well, you know, look again. Let's not lose our minds. It's only three games, three games, games. right? Um, yes. Mike Conley is a beyond competent starting point guard. That helps, right? He, yes, he may not be what he once was, but he's still a completely very competent point guard. You mentioned Jordan Clarkson. That dude is instant offense off the bench, and he can shoot it and score a ton. Colin Sexton's got talent. Laurie Marketing was excellent in Eurobasket, as you mentioned. So they're good, right? Like, and so they're talented. They're not good. They're a talented team with NBA-level players on it. It's only three games, right? They're getting some shooting luck, et cetera, uh, particularly defensively against teams that they play. Do I think long term they're going to be very good? No, right? Like they're just they're just not constructed for that, right? When they they're going to hit some patches where they're going to lose four out of five, five out of seven, right? It's just going to be because they're overall not good, and Danny's clearly working to build that team. But I think it's nice to see that you know these are guys that will have potential trade value, right? Who's going to want to make a move to see if they can acquire Mike Conley uh, before the trade deadline, right? To help them to get a backup point guard. Toronto needs a backup point guard for sure. Is Laurie Marketing available, right? Who are who are guys that they want to go after and, and target, and right? And who does Danny want to be able to get picks and other young talent from to hopefully land uh, Victor Wembanyama in 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 the draft? But again, there's no guarantees on that, right? Because we have uh, draft smoothing, right? So just because you have the worst record, no guarantee you're going to get it. No guarantee you're going to get it. We we will see. I do think they need to start trading guys. I think they those some of those guys will build up their value, most notably. Clarkson and Conley. I think those mm-hmm. are the guys who can absolutely mm-hmm. get moved. But you should also be encouraged if you're a Jazz fan. Sectons look fine. Markkinen's look really good. Those mm-hmm. are not bad young pieces to have there and build around as you try to rebuild. You know, ima- imagine if they get Victor, they go Victor and Laurie as, as your as your four or five. Well, that's I mean, a team. That's a team you like. Because, seven footers who can shoot. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a, that, that is that is that is right up the uh, that is right up the Gerard Hector school of basketball roster construction. And watch out, Gerard just might jump ship. He might jump ship from the Grizzlies and start chill, to be like, Dex, I got to head out to uh, Salt Lake City chill, uh, and, chill. and check it out. Chill, be the only chill. black person hanging out there. Chill, chill. I, I got to stick with my Grizzlies, man. I can't, I can't be getting out there for Salt Lake. Although. All star in Salt Lake uh, this year, so you know that's we'll true. Are, are, are you going? Are, are you taking? Uh, I, I'm on the fence. We'll see. We'll see. We might have to talk about that. Yeah. Maybe you and I. Maybe you and I can go. We get a little a little time out in Park City. I was there exactly. last last February. Exactly. We'll talk about it. We'll do, <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll discuss. Uh, that, that'll be interesting. Okay, the Boston Celtics. Um, they're off to a strong start. No Udoka, no problem for the Celtics. And I think there was fair reason to be concerned when you looked at this with the Celtics and saying, okay, everything that's going on with Ime Udoka, is this going to affect the team? Is this going to affect how they start? Now you could start to say, okay, got an interim coach in here, but it's continuity within the system. And anybody who knows me talking about sports, particularly even basketball, I believe a lot in that continuity matters. This is continuity of the system. This isn't a roster that changed a lot. Okay, and I think Gerard, I see you nodding. I think you'll agree with me a lot on this. It isn't a roster that changed a lot. They brought in a good piece like Brogdon, who's played very well for them. Um, didn't look fantastic in the preseason, but it looked really good here. Uh, I, I'm not surprised with the Celtics that they're off to the three and I'll start. And listen, they don't got Robert Williams. Right. The defense, defense is still looking, defense still looking okay, looking pretty good. I mean, they still have two all NBA wings in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, right? So I mean, like, <laughs> right. 
I mean, that's you're still going to be very good at basketball. And, the, and it's, it's a team that just came off the NBA Finals that were up 2-0 and had a lead in Game 3 in, uh, in the fourth quarter, right? To potentially go up 3-0, right? Okay. So I, I like what Boston is doing. Um, you mentioned the continuity. Tatum, Brown, and Marcus Smart, that core, they've been together for a number of years now. This is now their third coach they've been on, right? With Brad, with Ime last year. And now with, uh, with, with Missoula. And Missoula's been there. He was an assistant under Brad, right, in Brad's last year. And then was there with, with, um, Correct. with, with Udoka. So he's got consistency as well. So it's not like everything is all brand spanking new, right? It's kind of a, it's all the same similar things. And Tatum and Brown have ascended, right, to that level. I think once they play the way they're capable of playing, along with Marcus Smart, the Malcolm Brogdon pickup was huge. Look, they're good. Now, the the... Injury to Robert Williams is going to matter because he's such a game changer for them defensively and what they want to do in terms of switchability, his ability to get out on the perimeter and guard and switch on onto different types of players. That's going to hurt them. And, you know, they have to be mindful of making sure he's fully healthy. They cannot, I mean, forget about the team, him himself. I'm not coming back until I'm healthy. I don't care what, because they said, come back. You can't make any worse, which is a stupid thing to say. Of course, you can make any injury worse. Right. And he did. Right. So. That, I think, ultimately come postseason time is going to matter for them. But in terms of regular season wins, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and Malcolm Brogdon, and Al Horford, like that, that and Grant Williams, like that should be enough to get you to win 50-plus games every year. Should be enough. Regardless of who the coach is. Regardless of the coaches, and they're off to a really good start and still look strong. And like I want to mention, yes, they beat Philly. They beat Miami. Uh, I know their last one came against Orlando. But they do have good second line of a back to back, though. So that's second line of a back to back. So it's another another strong win inside of a good veteran battle tested team there. Okay, then we're gonna go out west for this one. Um, the Portland Trailblazers. Mm. Now, last week, last Monday, a week ago, the homie Chantel Shand, uh, sports betting content creator, she was on here and she was very high on the Blazers. So they could be good. She thought they could be top six in the West, which means a lot for the playing team. Uh, Gerard, you got a little smirk on your face, which tells me <laughs> you do not agree, uh, or maybe, maybe you do, or is it that you just haven't been that impressed with the Blazers who are also like the Jazz 3-0? and Um, are you buying the Blazers here? Or First no? of all, shout out to the homie Chantel Shand. You know, yeah. you, you like the Blazers, you like the Blazers. Again, three games in, I'm not excited. I, I let's calm down. Okay. <laughs> let, let, let's see where we are 10, 15 games in, 20 games. Okay, then I can start really. I think the Blazers, look, of course you have Damian Lillard. You always have a chance. But Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons' backcourt, that's that's Damon CJ, but in some ways a lesser version, right? Because Anthony Simons isn't the player CJ McCollum is right now. Now you're going to say you got Jeremy Grant, a little better on the wing defensively. All right, I'll give you that. But, you know, can Jeremy Grant – do that and be an important wing stopper and a reliable number two, sometimes three option on a playoff team. I don't think we, we, we know the answer to that. Right. I don't think we, I don't think we've seen that. Um, you know, Nurkic is Nurk, you know, I mean, he's, he's what he is. I just, you know, Nurk's not great defensively. I'm just not sold on this team. Right. Like they're, they are who they are when they had Dame and CJ in many ways, right? Just a couple of different people changed around. We'll see if any of the young guys um, have gotten better, right? Um, but again, 3-0, and 
kudos. You're not looking terrible. Everybody's excited. Talk to me after 10 games. Talk to me after 12, after 15. You know, if they're still on the right side of the ledger looking at like 12 and 3 or, okay, 10 and 5. All right. Like, I'll start reevaluating. All right. We got to check back in with you on that. But I have a feeling that like if they get to that like 10 and 3, 12 and 5 in a couple of weeks, Chantel Shan is going to be like, I told y'all so. Told you. <laughs> she will. She will. I told y'all. Told y'all. She's, she's behind them. Uh, back east, the Milwaukee Bucks. Mm-hmm. All right? And what, here's my thing about this team. Um, they're 2-0. They've not played three games as the time we're recording this. Um, but what I've noticed when you watch this team is they're doing things a little bit different defensively than they have before. If anybody who's watched the Bucs and known the Bucs give up a lot of threes, but they've never gave up the corner threes. Now there seems to be more of an emphasis on closing up on the three-point line and not giving up threes as easily to weak shooters. And there was strategy to this, because I always thought it was a lot of talk about Bud and being like, oh, the Bucs just give up threes. No, 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 no. The way they were rotating and, and making people rotate the ball, they were making it go to a lot of elbow threes to weaker shooters on the opposition, if you were watching this. Now there seems to be more of a focus on closing out. I wonder how much of that has to do with just talent changing in the East, right? You've got dynamic wings, as you mentioned, in Boston. You've got playmaking on the perimeter that you would see if you face somebody like Brooklyn. So now you have to, and now obviously Philly got a bunch of shooters around and beef. Now you can't play and give that up, up as much against a high-end talent. Now, the question I have for you, Gerard, is have you noticed this at all once? And Two, do you think this is a good strategy? I think it is. And to start employing it in the regular season and working on it as you get healthier towards the playoffs. Absolutely. The Bucs were definitely changing their defensive strategy. Um, and, you know, it used to be sell out to guard the paint at all costs. At all costs, we'll give up threes. Um, now they're shifting that a bit. And I think that's important, right? Because there is a lot of talent, as you mentioned, in the league. Um, if they're going to be competing with Boston, even Miami, potentially Brooklyn, who's about that team, right? Even someone like Cleveland, like you don't want to just be giving up wide open threes, right? Um, I think I think it's important to sort of also show that Bud is changing his ability to be flexible and adaptable, right? That was one of the knocks on Bud is that he doesn't change, he doesn't adapt. So this is good for them to see them doing something different in, in the regular season, using it as a lab to test and try different theories. I think that's important because if Milwaukee wants to be good, they're going to have to be able to, of course, lean on your strengths and what you do well but show some defensive flexibility and some versatility and adaptability based on whom your personnel is. Yeah, I think I think that's something you want to do in the regular season. You should strive to do um, as much as possible. And, you know, hopefully uh, they're able they're able to do that and continue that and build on that as they're adjusting to what is going on around the league. Uh, one other Eastern Conference team I wanted to talk about that you and I have talked a lot about <laughs> Over the last years, I think a lot of NBA people have, and that's the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets, they're one and one They got smacked down in their first game of the season against the New Orleans Pelicans, and they came back in what was a very entertaining game against the Toronto Raptors, and they were able to pull out a win after they came back from being down, blew a lead, and then pulled it out in the fourth quarter. How do we evaluate the Brooklyn Nets? Because I'm still not sold. I have a lot of questions, particularly around one player or two. Well, two players, actually. But how are you evaluating this team from what you've seen? Because they have a very interesting week here now. They've got a game tonight, which we'll get to later, against Gerard's Memphis Grizzlies. <laughs> then they played the Milwaukee Bucks. And mm-hmm. I want to mention something that was brought up to me when I did a video the other day at the New York Post.com with Brian Lewis, the great 
uh, Nets beat writer, he said, look, one of the things I'm looking at in these next couple of games is can this team rebound? This has not been a very good rebounding team. They're now going to go play one of the two best rebounding teams in the league. And he's absolutely right about that, especially of last season. Is this team going to rebound? I have other concerns, but what do you, what are your takeaways from the Nets through their first two games? You know, it's Jekyll and Hyde, and you see the potential they have to be very good, and you also see all the problems that plague them. You know, playing the right way is a mindset, right? And when I say the right way, I mean hustling, running uh, your sets with conviction and purpose, getting into your actions, gang rebounding, all the things that like coaches, that sounds like coach speak that they say at the end of every game, while we lost, we weren't doing these things. But that's a mindset, right? Your best players have to lead and do that. If they don't, the guys at the bottom of the roster, they ain't doing it, right? Like if, if those guys aren't doing it, we're not doing it. And that home opener against New Orleans, you could just see Brooklyn looked like they were jogging into their sets, just jogging to their spot on the floor. Meanwhile, New Orleans sprinting, racing to their spots, like setting mm. hard screens, like really gang rebounding, going up with two hands. I mean, fundamental things, going up with two hands to the rebound, securing it. I mean, you got Nets players, one hand on the ball, getting knocked away, jogging. It's like, what? Do you guys know this is an actual regular season game we're playing? Like, are you aware this is basketball? It took them a whole quarter, and that second quarter against New Orleans to play a lot better. But by that point, they're already down 20. They had to fight like hell just to get back, in, get back to cut it to eight. They looked a lot better in the Toronto game. Yep. Um, we saw, again, we saw Kyrie shoot the ball better. Nick Claxton really had a, a very good two games. We see his activity. You know, Durant's Durant doing his thing. The, the bellwether for them, though, Dexter, is Ben Simmons. There we and, go. This is what I wanted you to talk about, Gerard. There we go. And right now, shout out to my guy, Coach Stewart, who says he's not an NBA player right now. Oh, um, that's a, that is quite the statement there. Okay, you can you can see it. First of all, he fouled out in like twenty minutes in the first game, which is just like crazy. Yep, a little better in the second game, but and this is not like oh he doesn't shoot in pick and roll when he's turning the corner. Defenses play him for the pass. He doesn't mm-hmm. even look at the basket. Mm-hmm. It, there is a way in which when you're – and everybody knows who plays, plays a sport. When you're defending your man, you're reading their eyes, their body language, what they're doing to dictate what you're going to do in terms of defending them. If you're playing ball and there's a guy who you know is not looking at the basket, that makes your job so much easier because you're like, I ain't got to worry about him trying to score. Let me, let me sag off of him. Let me get my big seven-foot whatever wingspan into these passing lanes and try to tip balls and whatever because – he is not looking to, to be aggressive to score the ball. He's a little bit better in game two. When he gets to the point, and it look, to be fair to him, 18 months not playing basketball. When he gets to the point where he's being aggressive again, because look, we've seen this man score 30 and 40 points in a game before, right? It's happened. We've seen him do that, okay? When he is aggressive going down, I don't give a crap if you are aggressive and you go 15 shots to the rim and you miss 12 of them. Who cares? You are looking at the rim and you're putting pressure on it, which means defensively, I have to now be like, you may miss, but I can't just let him go there and do that. I have to be mindful of that, that that is a possibility. But when it's not even a possibility, this is making playing defense that much easier. And so 
he has got to get his legs under him and get more aggressive when again it's not just aggressive like i need you to shoot threes no just aggressive to attack the rim right when you're in there I, look i get it you want to move the ball past that is your among your biggest strengths do that but also when you're in there go up hard for that dunk use that hook shot do it put pressure on the basket force them to say well damn we got to do something else besides just play him to pass because he's looking to put the ball up and by the way if you put the ball up on the rim even if you miss it gives your team a chance for an offensive rebound now we know the nets are poor at rebounding terrible ben simmons you have athleticism you can get that second jump and get up there nicholas claxton's a very good rebounder Katie, you're tall enough. Get in there and get some boards. Look, I'm with you. You hit a lot of nails on the head. I think it was frustrating watching Ben Simmons. And I watched the other night in the second game against Toronto where he played better. There was a couple, this happened a couple of times. There was a couple of plays where Ben Simmons was going to the basket, did not look at the basket like Gerard said, and pass it off. One was a nice dish to Nick Claxton. I saw that, but he's not looking. I understand you want to set your teams up, teammates up. But if you're going to have the ball in your hands that much, mm-hmm. there's going to come a point. This is what, Gerard, I think you're talking about. There's coming a point where people are going to need you to be a threat. Being a threat is going to make the defense have to be more aggressive towards you. They can't just sag off. And good teams will do that in the postseason, guys. <laughs> this is what's going to happen. Good teams are going to do that. Good teams are going to sit back and wait on Ben Simmons and dare him to shoot. So if he doesn't start shooting now, we could clown that all we want and mindset. And I'm actually trying to be respectful to the mental mm-hmm. health of Ben Simmons mm-hmm. because let's just be real. Maybe he hasn't worked on the part of mm-hmm. saying, I need to be more mm-hmm. aggressive in terms of looking for a shot. Listen to what Gerard said, too. I also want to really reiterate something that Gerard said. Gerard didn't talk about shooting three-pointers because I think people make that a lot about Ben Simmons. Gerard never said that. Gerard talked about shooting the ball. We're actually looking to shoot the ball, right? To put pressure on the defense here. If you do that, it's going to benefit the team. We are not discounting Benson's talent as a defender. He's all world in that. We are not going to discount, discount him as a playmaker, but he could be an even better playmaker. I think mm-hmm. it's the point that we're trying mm-hmm. to make. Mm-hmm. If he actually is a threat to shoot the ball. Yep. And the other thing you said, Gerard, that I want to say, it's not just about looking to shoot. It's not just about doing that. Yo, take the shots. We don't even care if you make them right now. We don't care. If you take 12 shots a game and I see you getting in the paint, you still are getting your eight, nine assists, and you're getting on the boards and you're playing the defense you have to do, but you're taking 12 shots a game, it's still going to put pressure. Mm-hmm. People forget. Remember Rajon Rondo when he played with the, the Celtics in 08 and he won the championship? Rajon Rondo couldn't shoot for shit from the outside. <laughs> right? He couldn't shoot a lick from the outside. But Rajon Rondo was able to do his thing and do and and you know help them win because he had the threat of shooting and that yeah. mattered the most. The, Go the, ahead, the, Gerard. The, the other thing to look at too is like we, everybody thinks about Draymond Green, right, and what he does. Um, and you know, I'm not saying that Ben Simmons has the the offensive IQ that Draymond has, although Ben's offensive IQ I think is very high. But the Warriors play a system that has all five guys on the floor mm-hmm. weaponized and there's constant motion, right? So even though Draymond can't shoot, he's always a threat to do something, right? Ding, ding, ding. Okay? Always a threat to do something, right? Because even if he gets the ball and it's, it's a pick and roll, oh, everybody's jumping out because they're worried about the threes? He's darting to the rim. Give me that pass. I'm going to go right in for an easy layup or a dunk, right? 
because the Warriors run an offensive system that causes the defense a lot of commotion and makes them very unsettled because there's things happening all the time. Look, the Nets have enough good talent offensively between, of course, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, um, Joe Harris, right? So if you put those three on the floor with Ben Simmons, you put Royce O'Neal, who's, who's a good three-point shooter, that's if you have enough motion and play and movement, that's going to force defenses to be like, oh, wait, we can't leave that guy open. That'll give Ben the opportunity. But if all five guys are weaponized to run a system like that, but, you know, there's a reason why there's only one team that runs a system like that. Yeah, that is true. But the point you make, because a lot of people make that comparison of Ben Simmons being in a Draymond Green role. Well, the difference is Draymond Green's willing to shoot. Like that, that, that matters there. And Draymond Green's willing to shoot. So I think the Nets, like you said, high variance team could go really good, could be bad. We'll see. But I'm with you. My major concern with that team right now, if I'm looking at it, is Ben Simmons. Is he going to get better and shoot the ball? It really comes to that. Moving along really quickly, um, when you look at the standings, Gerard, mm-hmm. do you look at any teams that have winning records that you're like, eh, I don't know about you, man. You little suspect. <laughs> I'm not buying the 2 and one Maybe you're not buying the 3-0. and Like, any teams with winning records that you're like, eh, I don't know. I, I mean, it's early. So, I mean, look, I don't think Utah is going to finish the entire season at the top of the Western Conference. So if, so if you're asking me if there's – and Portland, which are the two teams we discussed. So if you're telling me, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Those, are, those are the two teams that, like, at 3-0 top of the West, I don't think they're going to remain at the top of the West come the playoffs. But, again, for everybody, most teams have played three, two games. Tonight will be four for some. Way too early. Check back in at 15-20, and we'll, and we'll have a conversation about, all right, who's fool's goal and who's, who's not. Yeah, I have two teams I will say to keep an eye on, right, that I'm just like, one we talked about, I know you and I are on the same page of this, um, we are not high high stock on the Phoenix Suns um, <laughs> at all whatsoever. So I'm a little, I'm a little bit like, oh, y'all two and one, oh, I still see some problems. <laughs> the other team for me in the East is the Atlanta Hawks. Mm. Um, I have been suspect of the DeJounte Murray and Trey Young backcourt pairing. There seems to be a lot of taking turns. I think that's something people need to watch to see how that can work out. I don't buy it that much that it will work out, um, but that's something to keep your eye on. I'm not really sure how good they can be. And then, you know, it's what you can get out of some of their younger role players and this Collins and other guys take another step. And, you know, we'll we'll see uh, that. But, you know, this is NBA with nuance um, that we like to have. Uh, every Wednesday, we were doing it on a Monday evening. You wanted to talk, Gerard, about NBA leadership that matters. Mm-hmm. And I found this to be important in talking about it, especially this week, so early in the season. Because that's yeah. where leader. We got a lot of the tone is set. You mentioned LeBron and his leadership style. This can be in the front office. This could be on the court. This could be coaching, obviously, as well, too. Um, what are you seeing in terms of leadership around the league and why you feel like it matters so much? even this at this point in the season. Well, it's so interesting, Dexter, and I brought this up in the context of, you know, Steph Curry and the Warriors and why I say Steph and the Warriors versus everybody else. Mm-hmm. That punch that happened between Draymond Green and Jordan Poole. On any other team in this league, I feel like that's going to ruin the season. Hmm. But for the Warriors, because of the leadership of Bob Myers, Steve Kerr, and most importantly, Stephen Curry, but they have a chance to overcome it. Now, I'm not out here telling you that everything's all hunky-dory and roses in Golden State, all right? There are still some feelings about that, uh, about Draymond and what he did to Jordan Poole, but Stephen Curry and his leadership style 
I think he allows the rest of the team to move forward with it because he's a different kind of, and you know, look, you know me, Dex. I'm not one of these like, oh my God, can we stop blowing flowers up Steph's ass, right? Like, but his makeup and his mentality, he's a different kind of superstar. I don't want to be out like this. People like, oh, he has no ego. No, he's got plenty of ego. You see how he'd be stunting out there and be shooting them threes on you and all that. No, no, he's got plenty of ego. But I think he genuinely cares about investing and pouring into his teammates, right? Whatever they need, whether that be an encouraging word, whether that be getting on them a little bit, whatever you need to pour into somebody, he's willing to do that, right? That's leadership. That, mm. you know, talk about LeBron and his passive aggressive style, okay? You know, KD is my guy. One of KD's things he loves to say is, this is the NBA. I'm not anybody's babysitter. Like, if you want to see how things are done, watch how I work. Well, yo, dude, that's not leadership. Like, you're Kevin Durant. Like, how you work ain't shown. That's not leading when things are going poorly, right? When things are going poorly and someone is dealing with something, what can you pour into them, right? Coach Thorpe says leader, uh, leadership is breathing spirit into the hearts and minds of others, right? That's how he defines mm-hmm. leadership. Steph does that in spades. What are, what, what are you pouring into the heart and mind? What, what spirit are you breathing into others, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and I feel like Steph is really good at that. And again, whatever it is needed in that moment, if this happens on a different team, again, again, I'm not saying it's not going to cause a problem, but what I'm saying is right. because of Steph, that gives them a chance for it not to be an issue. Yeah, and, and that's why, you know, and I would say a point about Steph Curry and the Warriors versus everybody else because everybody else might not have that superstar at the top that – allows that leadership style and culture to trickle down. A lot of it matters with your players on the court mm-hmm. and how they lead. I think there's no doubt about that. I think anytime people want to discount that, um, they're wrong. And look, things look right for the Warriors right now. People are smiling. They're winning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I still think, again, we keep saying it, it's early. Mm-hmm. We will mm-hmm. see. But, uh, you know, good, good discussion there. All right, we're going to take a really quick break. Interesting games tonight. You know we like to talk about uh, betting here and Gerard. We'll see if he can keep it hot with you guys <laughs> winning money, getting y'all to win money. He does his betting show every Tuesday night. Gerard and Jenna, Seven Footers Podcast, they do that to help you win some money. Gerard had a pretty good record last year. This year on the show, oh, we're going to be keeping track. We're going to let you know uh, who's winning and not. We're just, we're, just trying to, we're trying to tell y'all not to lose some money. So, you know, that's it. We're going to take a real quick break when we come back on NBA Exchange. Are you looking for a better way to play player props or daily fantasy sports? Well, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the leading over under daily fantasy game. Why? Because it's so easy to use and win. You can make your picks in under 30 seconds and win up to 10 times your money in one day. Right now, we have a special offer for our viewers and listeners of the NBA Exchange. All you got to do is sign up now and use the promo code NBAEX. Prize picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Yep, that's right. They'll match your first deposit up to $100. So join the over 150,000 others who found a better way to play. Download the Prize Picks app today. All right, we'll make sure you use that prize picks code NBAEX. Get that first deposit matched up to $100. Eight games on the NBA schedule tonight. We've got four of them that we think that you should bet on. Gerard, what's your first one tonight? 
I'm going to go Boston. I'm sorry, Boston. Brooklyn at Memphis. Uh, the Grizzlies are one and a half point favorites over under line on their 233 and a half. I'm actually surprised. Surprise, people. I'm going against my Grizz tonight. I just think that no Jaron Jackson on the floor. Um, there's some defensive things that have got me a little bit concerned. Look, Luka going nuts on them. That's what I mean. It's Luka Dodgers. Like, I'm not going nuts, nuts off of that. Desmond Bain struggling a little bit to shoot the three. I, I think that this Brooklyn team presents a, a matchup problem for them, particularly when they don't have Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, I, I can see Kevin Durant in particular exploiting them defensively. Um, so look for any player props with Durant as well. 25 plus. Uh, I think Ben Simmons is going to do a decent job um, making it tough on John. Look, no one's stopping John Morant, but I think Ben might make him, make him a little more less efficient tonight. And if Desmond Bain isn't hitting from three, you know, I, I just think that it's going to be a little tough sledding for, for the Grizzlies tonight. So I like the Brooklyn Nets uh, tonight. So you can take them uh, plus one. And if you're looking at player props, look at KD plus 25 points, Kyrie plus 20 points, and Ben Simmons plus seven assists with the Nets win. See what kind of parlays you get with that. Or if you want to stay with there's too many to, things to go right, go plus 25 KD plus 20 Kyrie. Uh, you go plus seven with Ben Simmons. And on the Grizzlies side, if you want to go props, I would go John Morant, 25-plus, um, and Stephen Adams, 10-plus rebounds. Oh, I like that Stephen Adams bet against the Nets because we know they don't rebound. So I love that. <laughs> I love that bet. They're also, that over-under 233.5, I'm inclined to uh, bang that over there. I think there'll be a mm. lot of points in this game. I think that would be an interesting one. Okay. My first game of the night, you mentioned this team by accident. Before that would be the Boston Celtics versus the Chicago Bulls. Celtics six-point favorites on the road here. Bulls plus 191 if you like that money line. Over under here is at 225. Look, Celtics have looked good. We talked about them at the top. They look good. The defense still looks strong. Uh, Chicago, a lot of problems without Lonzo Ball at that point guard position. I really like what they can do here. Um, That's the Celtics, not the Bulls, excuse me. I think the Bulls are still limited in terms of offense. Bulls have played a lot of close games already. And it came down to the wire with the Washington Wizards that they lost there. I know they're back home. I think they'll be up for this. I can see it's being a close game. But I actually like the Celtics to cover here um, with that six points. I like the Celtics to cover here. Also, look for any props in terms of made threes with Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. I like that. If you see anything over two and a half, I say bang that. I think that's a really good look for you there. Um, I like that. There's not too many other props I love in this. Also, look at Malcolm Brogdon, what you're seeing in terms of him getting off the bench. You can see him anywhere around 13, 14 points. I like the over there. He's been really steady off the bench in terms of scoring and distributing. So look at that as well, too. But uh, give me the Celtics to cover the six points uh, tonight against the Chicago Bulls in Chi-Town. What you got next? All right. My next game, Denver Nuggets on the road in Portland. taking on the Trailblazers. Second night of a back-to-back for Portland, but Portland is at home. Denver minus four and a half. I like Denver to cover this and kind of pick up the win relatively easily. Um, look for Nikola Jokic, anything triple double related. Michael Porter Jr., 20 plus points. Uh, I'm inclined course, to bang that. Of course, your boy. Of course, your boy. <laughs> 20 plus. Uh, I, I'm inclined to bang that over. It's a 26 and a half because I just don't think that Portland's able to stop Denver um, mm. on offense. And again, second half of back to back, I just feel like the legs are going to be a little bit tired. Um, and look for margin of victory. If you have anything for the Nuggets between four and and nine points, kind of odds you're getting there plus 300, plus 400, somewhere in that range. That's looking pretty nice. 
All right. I like I like that. I like that. I like the Nuggets here to cover um, as well, too. And I do like that over under going over because Portland's defense is suspect <laughs> to me. Sorry. Sorry, Chantel. I think the defense is a little suspect. Uh, last game we'll talk about. I have the Orlando Magic at my New York Knicks. Uh, Magic, if you're buying the Palo Banquero hype, plus 241 on the money line. Knicks are seven and a half point favorites. This came down. They were eight and a half earlier today. Over under for this is 221 and a half. Okay. And I did something for the New York Post on this that's going to be out in the short on their site. And I'm going to say this. Look, folks, if you're a Knicks fan and you've seen this before early in the season, if you think this game feels like a trap game, it's because it is. You know the Knicks. You know that there's always some early season loss to some team that they have no business losing to, and they should not lose to. So now you're thinking, okay, Dex is going to pick against the Knicks. I'm not, and I might be a sucker for this. I might be a sucker for this. But here's why I'm not going to pick against the Knicks. I do think some things are changing with the Knicks. One of the things, and it's small sample size theater, but I saw it through the preseason, and it is translated over into the regular season, that I actually like is the ball movement for the New York Knicks. They currently lead the NBA in assist-to-turnover ratio. Jalen Brunson, to me, is the key in that. The ball's moved. Julius Randle hasn't been a black hole with the ball. It hasn't been stopping in his hand. This was You saw this all through the preseason. It's continued through the first couple of games. This is a game the Knicks should win. And this is a game they should win easily and they should get. They have Charlotte at home on Wednesday. Then following that, they have seven games against teams that at least made the playing tournament last year. This is not, the Knicks ain't that good. They can be good, but they ain't that good. They can't afford to be dropping games at home to Orlando and Charlotte. This is one to take care of business. They've had a couple of days off. I like how they've been playing. I think they get some continuity in terms of with the ball movement, excited to play at home, and hopefully get off to a good start before the schedule gets a little bit tougher. So I know seven and a half points is that territory, guys, where it gets to be a lot. But give me the Knicks to cover the seven and a half. I hope I don't regret it when I see July next time. They'll probably be like, damn, you shouldn't have done that. And you knew better. You said it was a trap. But you should have known better. Um, also in this game, I like Mitchell Robinson, anything you get him over seven and a half, eight and a half points. I like that there are two. You want to reach and take him for a double, double. I don't think that's a bad play. Also look at Jalen Brunson, anything over six assists. I think that's a really good play for you there too. You know, a lot of Knicks players still have a lot to prove in terms of me and establishing themselves in terms of props, uh, in terms of that over under, I actually like the under in this one under mm-hmm. that 21 and a half. That's something I might want to see. But I think the Knicks should get this win pretty easily. Should is always an interesting thing. It's like, you know, Gerard tonight. He's going to have to watch the Grizzlies and the Nets, his team, <laughs> go against his favorite player, and he's going to be really conflicted. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how that, how that goes. I, you know what's funny about that game? I think the Grizzlies are going to win, Gerard. I, think the I mean, look, the, the Grizzlies, the, they went to – they had the second best record in the league last year. So I don't – I mean, yeah. I'm not, you know. I just, you know, I I, I want to kind of see how they how they respond, you know, after that thumping they took from Dallas um, over the weekend on Saturday. Yeah, and yeah, I think you were legit concerned about that, not just the thumping they took from Dallas, but the night before they also mm-hmm. did not play great against the Houston Rockets mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. were down. Then they came back and they fought in that game, and I think that matters, but mm-hmm. they didn't look great, and I think they'll be refocused. And I wonder if a game here like Brooklyn back at home early in the season gets them a little bit refocused. So we'll we'll see what goes on with that. That's my guy, Gerard Hector. Check him out. True Hoop. They did a bring it in today. Go check out that episode. Another one coming for you guys on Friday. Seven Footers Podcast. They'll be rocking tomorrow with a new episode. I'll be checked in. Gerard's going to help y'all win some more money on their free 
on their pre-show that they do on the betting uh, to help you win some money. And Gerard, do me a favor. When you do the uh, true, uh, Seven Footers podcast tomorrow, mm-hmm. please, please, please. Ask Miss Jen Eleven Chelly, even though I can hit her with myself, my lovely coworker. Please ask her how she's feeling about her Lakers, <laughs> and if she believes that the King is going to turn around. I'm going to be tuned in. I'm just going to have to put the question in the chat because I want to know if she believes in King James the way she proclaims <laughs> to believe in King James. That's all I want to know. Or I'll is she her. is she reading from the New King James version, the New King James Father Time version that she's a uh, She's reading for him. I don't know. I got you. I got, got you. Me. That is Gerard Hector. Please go give him a follow. Check out his work. I'm Dexter Harry. That is it for this edition of the NBA Exchange. Uh, we'll be on a break. We'll be back on Friday. Gerard will be with me next Wednesday. We'll do some more NBA with nuance because, you know, you know, out here giving y'all the hot takes. No hot takes. We just gave we y'all about 55 minutes of nuance. Mm-hmm. Where else mm-hmm. you going to get that? Except for, mm-hmm. you know, seven footers and true <laughs> That's where you're gonna get it too. That's my man Gerard Hector. I'm Dexter Henry. Until next time, y'all. Peace.